Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. Let's say our declaration like we mean it. If you're new to us, this is something we say every week uh, because for 2021, this is our declaration. I don't know, we're into month nine uh, right now, and I don't know if you felt yourself coming into alignment. And a lot of times when you're coming into alignment, it doesn't feel good. Like when you're out of alignment and you, you begin to start trying to come back into alignment, that's why, you know, sometimes people are uncomfortable in church because they're just so far out of alignment. I used to be that way. I, I mean, I still am that way at times. If something in my life's not in alignment, I'll feel Holy Spirit pulling me back in and it's not always pleasant. So don't resist that. Don't resist that. Allow Holy Spirit to bring you back into alignment with his word. All right, here we go. Ready? I will constantly guard my heart and align it with God's holy word for everything that I do flows from it. Amen. So in the series that we're uh, in, I think this, I'm going to try to close this out today, this series, and we'll begin a new one next week if the Holy Spirit um, allows. And this series, I want you to go ahead today and turn to Leviticus chapter 10. I truly don't think I've ever preached a message in 30 years out of Leviticus. It's just one of those books of the Bible. It's like, oh, God, how fast can I get through it? Uh, but after you, I mean, if you'll really, as I've matured in the Lord, I've really begun to, to appreciate it more. And as I've looked at Leviticus now with more mature eyes, I'm like, man, there is a lot of good stuff in there. And hopefully I'll be able to draw a little bit of that out to you today. But in this series that we're in, we're really talking about how to have our vertical um, relationship with the Lord intact because so many times we focus on the horizontal relationships in our world more than we do our vertical and that is absolutely backwards you need your vertical uh, relationship with the Lord intact because it's really simple folks he says seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness his right ways of living seek first, put that first, and then everything else flows out of that. Not the other way around. Get, seek first everything else and then seek God. But why is it, even in the church, like people outside the church, like outside of relationship with God, you know, they don't even care. They don't even care. But people who have a, a degree of spiritual depth to them, like they're not even trying they're not even trying to put God first. They're seeking all of these other things. And I've told young people, I've told uh, older people, I'm like, you know, if you are trying to seek your soulmate, don't seek your soulmate. Seek God first. If you're trying to get the hot girl, seek God first and the hot girl will come. And hot, listen to me, hot changes meaning. 
when you've got your priority in Christ. There's a young man that used to come to our church. Man, I love that guy. He was so involved with, with everything. But there was something about him that he, ha- he, was, he was so into the outward appearance. He had to have the hottest model, figure, plastic everywhere, implants everywhere. Didn't care. Just, man, she had to be red, smoking hot. And none of them had any desire to live for the Lord. None of them. I'm like, boy, where are you finding these girls at? Like, they got the outward package, but God looks at the heart. And every girl that he would bring to church, man, she looked like Miss America. She was just gorgeous, but had zero desire And this guy was one who was passionate in worship and she's standing there like a statue beside him. You know what they call that, right? Unequally yoked. He's trying to attach himself to somebody that's not like him. There's not where he's at. And what happened? I wish I could tell you, man, she came along and the other one came along and the other one and then the other one. None of those girls, really there were women, none of those women came into relationship at least under, you know, my experience. None of them. Eventually, that young man who was serving, that young man who was a mentor, that young man who was a model, that young man who, when he walked into church, kids would be climbing all over him and wrapped around his head just because they loved him. He carried that, that, that love for kids. And not, not long after that, he started dating all these women. That young man, that passionate worshiper is not in the house of the Lord at all. See, he wasn't salt and light to them. They were salty to him. And they pulled him over to, if you will, the dark side. They pulled him out of church. They pulled him out of his relationship with the Lord. And so, you know, as we're talking about uh, vertical, if he had truly had his vertical relationship, but Pastor Rife, I thought you said that he was a passionate worshiper. I thought you said he was serving. I thought you said he was all these things. Yes, he was. But there is a difference when you do it from the heart, and there is a difference when you are doing it just out of religion. Amos chapter 5, I shared that with you in this series. They were doing all the religious acts. They were doing everything. They were checking off all their check marks. And God was like, oh, stop, stop. I don't want to hear that mess. Away from me with all of that clanking noise. Because your heart, you're doing the right things, but your heart is far from me. Didn't have the vertical going on. Today, as I share with you from Leviticus chapter 10, I want to ask you a question. Like, what emotions does that word evoke when you see it? Entitlement. Privilege. Shout them out like somebody can hear you. Say it again. I deserve it. 
Pride? Self-centered maybe? Ego? Arrogant? Spoiled? Privileged? Entitlement. Most of the time it doesn't evoke like really uh, positive imagery. But I want to ask you this. Why is it that we're okay with approaching God with a spirit of entitlement? Now pick your shoes, uh, your feet up off the floor because I'll step on your toes here in just a second. Why is it that the church is okay with coming before the Lord with entitlement? Now I'm not, I don't mean to step on anybody's toes so bad that you know, you think I'm trying to send a message to you today, Wes. Because God knows I can't play this thing. Well, I ain't going to practice this week. I'm just going to show up and, you know, I'm on the team. I don't need to spend time learning any of this. I don't need to spend time even praying about any of this. Or I'm going to just do it. You know, I got my music in front of me and I'm playing, but, you know, I really don't even know what these, I don't even know what the words of the song are. I'm just focusing on the notes. Entitlement. Entitlement. And we could go through every single place in ministry. I was talking to a guy years ago. This guy's a close friend of mine. So when I tell you what I shared with him, you'll understand that he's a friend of mine. And he could take this. Everybody couldn't take this. But he was griping about the Obama phones. Anybody remember the Obama phones? Well, I never had an Obama phone, but somebody, some, some folks did, and it's where the government was just trying to give away money and, uh, you know, uh, uh, trying to get the economy. So they gave away uh, phones, and they, uh, culture labeled them Obama phones. They were cell phones that came out underneath that administration. Man, he was railing one day about Man, I can't believe the president's giving. I can't believe the president's giving away everybody free cell phones. And bless God, you know, that's my tax dollars. And that's, you know, and I'm just listening to him. And I'm, I'm like, I, it's not that I don't disagree with you a whole lot. But I'm just, I'm just listening to him. I'm just listening to him. And I'm like, I'm just waiting for the moment. Because, I mean, dude, he's on a rail. And I said, this is a businessman. Businessman. And I said, so let me ask you something. What's the difference? Oh, Jesus, pick your feet up. Pick your feet up. Now, you have to understand, this, I knew this guy personally. I knew him for years. That's why I could say something like this to him. I said, let me, let me ask you something. I said, what is the difference between you being a prosperous businessman and you don't tithe? Shama lama ding dong. <laughs> did he did you say that? Yes, I did. What what is the difference? What is the difference between you griping about them, you know, enjoying a cell phone at the expense of your tax dollar because you come in every week and you enjoy the atmosphere? At the expense of others' tithe dollars. Your children are in the back. All the crayons you didn't buy. The collective church bought. 
What's the difference in how, you know, why is it? We'll point, you know, Jesus, he called it out. He's like, hey, bro, come over here a second. You got, you got a two by four in your eye. Let me take it out. Because <clears throat> you're busy pointing a speck out in their eye, but you got a big old two by four sticking out of yours. It's easier to see other, other people's issues. And so when we look at entitlement, entitlement it's, it's not okay just to come before the Lord any way you want. And this is what I want to share with you today is that we, how we host the glory of God matters. How we host the glory of God, how we approach the glory of God. A few weeks ago, um, Erica uh, brought us a message and it was about stewarding the manifest presence of God well. And I'm sorry if you're new here today and you haven't been a part of this series. Like, I understand there's some catch-up that, uh, that you'll have to do. And, and you'll just have to fill in some blanks because you maybe missed some messages. But I'll try to fill in as well as I can. But when we come into God's glory, his manifest glory, we have to approach God a certain way. We don't just get to come any way we want to. He has made it available to us that we can boldly go before God and we don't need priests anymore. We don't live under that covenant. We live under a better covenant, a more personable covenant. But there is still a way to come into the presence of God. So I want you to say this with me. How we host the glory of God matters to him. If God is going to allow his glory to come to this house, it matters to him how we steward, how we host the glory of God. That's why in some churches, and I'm, I'm not trying to beat up other churches, they, people will come here from another church and they don't understand some of the things we do. Because they've never seen a church host the manifest glory of God. They've seen a church, hi, welcome to, you know, X church. We're glad you're here today. Why don't you fill out a card behind you or in front of you in that chair? And our team's going to come and they're going to lead us in three songs. And they come and they lead you in exactly 14 minutes of worship. They got it down to a T. I'm telling you, I'm not making this stuff up. I know for a fact, I know churches where they're like, our worship is timed Exactly every track because they're playing and there are tracks behind them and we've used tracks before but there's a way you can use tracks but not let the tracks dominate you 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 use the track as a tool the tool is not the master but they they use it as a master. And so if the song is three minutes and 56 seconds and the next song is, you know, four minutes and 38 seconds and the next song is eight minutes and whatever, you add that up and that's how long their worship is. Oh, my Jesus, that will never work in this house. <laughs> never. Because God is a real and living being. He is not Memorex. He's not, it's, is it live? Is it Memorex? He's not Memorex. He's not a pre-recording. When we come into this place, we're living, we're, we're dealing with a living and a breathing God. He is the Ruach. He is the breath. He's the, the, the inhale and exhale that's coming out of you was breathed in you at the beginning of the universe. 
And the breath has never stopped since he blew the Ruach into Adam's nostrils. It's never stopped. And so, you know, you, you have people that are coming into the house of God that they've never experienced that before. And they're not used to like, let's just wait on God and see what God is going to do. God is living and breathing. And there is a body in heaven, and it's Jesus. He's in the flesh. He's breathing. We serve a living God. We don't serve a dead God. We don't serve the memory of a God. We are talking about him and to him in this service. And that's how we operate with him when we go out of this service. I want you to read Leviticus chapter 10 with me. And before we get there, I just want to kind of bring you up to speed. We started this, we started this series and how we started it, we started with Moses. Moses, he said, show me your glory. And God showed him his glory and the glory manifests itself among the people. And Throughout the uh, age of Moses and when they were wandering around in the wilderness on their way to the promised land, God would manifest himself in his glory. And so what happens is as they're out in the wilderness, God gives Moses a plan for the tabernacle. It's the place where his spirit is going to reside See, God wants to manifest himself among the people in a way that the people can interact with him. And so that was how he interacted with him or with us. And God can't interact in his purest form with us. We would disintegrate just like that. Pastor Rife, I don't know if I believe that. I'm telling you, like, I don't really care if you believe it, like, finds like follow the science everybody's saying that nowadays like there is light so bright that if you were exposed to it it would kill you for you to you would burn up one million miles away from the sun like you you can't get to the sun one million miles away from the sun and you would disintegrate because the light is so powerful. Now tell me, if creation, who's more powerful, the creator or creation? The creator. If we, like, there's radiation. There's, there's fire. And Brian knows this. My dad knew it as a, as a it, okay, it's 9-11. It's 9-11 yesterday. We celebrated, well, didn't celebrate that. We, we commemorated it. I remember talking to my dad before he died. He was a, a, a veteran fireman. I remember looking at those people and they were jumping from the building to their deaths. And I said to my dad, I said, dad, why, why would they not wait? Why, you know, the building was still standing. Why would they not wait, dad? And my dad said, son, there is a heat that is so hot that it will melt the skin off of your body. And he said, think about where they were standing. That heat was, all of that heat was rising up. So even though there were no flames around them, the heat was so unbearable that they truly lost their faculties. And to plunge was more comforting than to stay. There is a, you, you see what I'm saying? 
God, we can't stand in God's presence. God is light. He's the source of all light. I'm just trying to paint a picture for you that God has to interact with us a certain way. And in the Old Testament, he did it in the tabernacle. In the New Testament, he does it now by making us a temple of his Holy Spirit. And if those of us who will receive him, he comes to live inside of us. And he brings with him all the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. And how we interact with him matters. As a matter of fact, Paul, he was saying, hey, there are certain ways that you can't treat your body. Don't you know how does God interact with us now? Where, does his, where is his spirit at? It's in us. And so he, Paul says, hey, don't you know that your body is not your own? That you've been purchased with a price and your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So there are some sins that are greater than others. You've heard people say things like, well, all sins the same. It is not. It is not. All sins are not the same. You can illustrate that uh, uh, in, in the natural by, listen, if I go into the grocery store and I steal a three, uh, uh, three cent piece of bubble gum and then I go out and murder somebody, I am not going to jail for the bubble gum. It's different. Sin is different. There are sins of the mind. There are even sins of actions that are not as uh, intense as certain sins of the flesh. Why? Because Paul says, don't you know your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit? When you sin that way, you're not only sinning uh, against yourself, you're sinning against God because God lives in you. He's like, you can't just sleep around. Because when you're doing that, you're fornicating with the Lord's body. For you have been purchased with a price. I'm telling you what, I wish somebody had taught me that younger in my life. I didn't know that. And so, how we host the glory of God matters to him. How we operate with Holy Spirit living inside of us matters to him. And there's, look, those are the big things. But listen, can I tell you that even what we call small things, that's why honor matters to God. That's why the words that come out of our mouth, he said, how can life and death flow out of the, how can good and bad flow out of the same mouth? And Christians do it all the time. I've done it. It matters to God how we treat people, how we speak to people. It matters to God. And I'm telling you what, I'm, I've been very disappointed in folks over these last few years. I, I've been disappointed in myself too. But I've been disappointed over these last few years with all of the presidential stuff and all of the COVID stuff. And while, yes, there's a lot of, of, of valid things to talk about, I have been so disappointed in how believers operate. And then they want to host the glory of God. I was speaking to somebody the other day, a former, uh, a, a, a former church member and a friend of mine, and they were telling me uh, about somebody that was extremely talented on their job. And they were a believer. But nobody wanted to work with them or be around them. 
even though they were best in the field. Why? Because they were negative, dishonoring, talked down the leadership of the company. And nobody wanted to be around that. They would see that guy who, who actually had all of the answers, like when something would break down, and they would be like, no, dude, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out ourselves. We, don't, we do not want to deal with him. Hey, that matters to God. Yeah. How we treat people, how we talk about one another matters to God. We cannot expect for his glory to operate in our life and just live and do whatever we want to do. Why would, let, let me go back to this. Let me see. I thought there was a slide up there. It may have gone to the wrong one. Let's read Leviticus chapter 10. Let me, oh, let me tell you this. In Leviticus, all the way leading up to chapter 10, what's happening is... Moses is setting this tabernacle up and he's giving all of the different offerings that they're going to be making. He's given instructions on that. He's anointing and consecrating the priests, which is Aaron and his uh, sons. And he's lining all of this up. So all of this is happening. And they're having the grand opening, if you will, of the tabernacle in chapter 9. Now, we're fixing to read chapter 10. But in chapter 9, they're reading. They're, they're uh, sorry. They're uh, holding the grand opening of the tabernacle. And they've got everything in its place. And they've got. The, remember a few weeks ago, I showed y'all how we enter into God's holy of holies. The most holy place. And all of the different ways that we get into his presence. And one of those was represented by the, the brazen altar. In other words, a place of repentance. A place of sacrifice. Well, in the center court was the brazen altar. That's where all the sacrifices were made and there had to be a fire there to consume those where did the fire come from well if you read chapter 9 you find that the fire came from the sky now I don't know what it looked like that day <clears throat> it might have looked like a lightning bolt coming out of the sky and all of a sudden it's on fire I don't know what it looked like but the scripture says that the Lord lit the fire on the altar that's very important why because it shows that the glory of God comes from uh, God and no man. No man can take God's glory. And after that, how does the fire never goes out? Like that fire never goes out. They carry it with them. They, uh, they, they you know, if, temp, if the temple moves, you know, God's going to light it. And, it, you know, they're, they're going to take care of that fire. It never goes out. And what they do is if they need fire in any other place of the temple, where do they get? They get the fire from the altar. Think about that. Man, that's powerful. Like if he's your source of light, like every other area of your light, that's where you can get your source and your power from to be lit. Your, your business, get it in alignment with the word. I promise you, your business will prosper. Your health, get in alignment with God's word. Oh, preacher, you're stepping on somebody's toes here. You're talking about I'm out of alignment? Yeah, I, I think you need to ask yourself that. I really do. Because we just sung, are we going to sing lies or are we going to sing truth? 
Because we just sung a song that said, prophesy, call out every sickness, call out every lie, prophesy. That's either a lie or we're singing truth. Everything come into alignment with the word. All right. So everything's coming into alignment here. The consecration's happening. And uh, they've, they've kicked off the grand opening, if you will, of the tabernacle. And let's look at verse 10. Or, or chapter 10, verse 1. So Aaron's sons, who's Aaron? He's the high priest. He's the chief guy in charge. So Aaron's son, Nadab and Abihu, put coals of fire in their, censer, in their incense burners and sprinkled incense over them. All right? I don't know if y'all have ever know what an a censer or an incense burner is. You ever seen the... Catholic priests or Episcopal or Greek Orthodox, they walk through the sanctuary and they're swinging the little uh, smoke thingy. Well, that's what, that's, what they're, that's what they're talking about. And so they've put in their incense burners fire and sprinkled incense over them. In this way, what way? The way they did it. They disobeyed the Lord by burning before him the wrong kind of fire. In some versions of scripture it says they, they offered strange fire to the Lord. Zur is the Hebrew word. It means foreign. It, it means um, unauthorized. Like they weren't authorized to use that kind of fire. It means profane. As a matter of fact the first time that word appears in scripture is when uh, the, the writer of Genesis is using it to say, uh, don't offer anything up to strange, zur, gods. In other words, it was uh, equating strange with idolatry, all right? That's really important. So what they were doing they were offering fire, and I'm not sure because the Bible's not clear about it. We just know it was strange, it was unauthorized, it was foreign, it was profane to the Lord. And we don't know if it was the fire that they got it from some other place besides the brazen altar, or if it was the incense that they used that had been used in some other uh, type of idolatry worship. But this is what the scripture says in verse 2. So fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and burned them up. So fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and burned them up. What's the presence of the Lord? Yeah, but what's the presence? This series is all about the glory. The presence. The fire came out from God's glory. And it burned them up and they died there before the Lord. I mean, right on the spot. And then Moses said to Aaron, their father, this is what the Lord meant when he said, I will display my holiness through those who come near me and I will display my glory before all the people. Can you imagine what's happening here? Nadab, and I'm, I'm pronouncing it South Alabama, okay? It's actually Nadav. And Avihu, I think, I believe it's the way you pronounce it. But I'm just pronouncing it South Alabama. It's Nadab and Abihu. Can you imagine they, 
got the strange fire, sprinkled it with incense, violated what the Lord said for them to do. They're offering it to the Lord. They're bringing it. They're going to light it in the most holy of holies because if they get this, they're, they're out in the courtyard. But now they're fixing to go into the holy, uh, the inner court. And then they're going to get where, anybody remember? There's a few of you. I know, know you know this already. Where was the altar of incense? No, it was right before you get to the most holy place. I mean, they were getting as close to God as they could get without going into the most holy of holies. And the only one that could go in there was Aaron. Just imagine, they've got strange fire and they're, I'm going to get close to the fence as I can without sinning. I'm going to get as close, I'm going to get as close to the line as I can without getting lost unsaved, unsanctified. That's how so much of the world lives right now. And as they're getting close to the glory, the glory comes out and consumes them. Not physically, but kills them. And this is, they walk in, they find them dead in the floor. I don't know, was it like a lightning strike? You know, was it, was it something that uh, they heard and they came running to see what happened. Maybe what there's a loud clap of, I don't know. But somehow they came upon them. And, and, and Moses looks and they evidently know what, what man, I'm going to have to preach the second part of this next week. Because I'm not rushing it because it's too good. How did they know? Because scripture doesn't tell us. This is just me thinking, how did they know that when they walked in or saw what happened, maybe they were in there with them when it happened, but maybe it was the smell of the incense. Because priests know. People who are in tune with the Holy Spirit know when something's not right. Maybe it was the fragrance was off a bit. And can you imagine Moses looking at Aaron who sees his two sons consumed there. Hey, I, can I tell you, it wasn't a pretty sight. Have you ever seen anybody electrocuted? you ever seen somebody burned? My grandmother spent uh, six months in a burn unit with over 70% of her body burned. It ain't pretty, friends. Can you imagine Aaron coming in there to see this? And Moses said, see? See, this is what I meant. This, this is what I told you. That's what I meant when I said, the Lord said, I will be made holy. I will display my holiness through those who come. How's he displaying his glory? Through them. Listen, I'm telling you, I don't care how much charisma a speaker has. I do not care how good a person plays any instrument. I do not care how in, uh, incredible in, uh, a motivational speaker they are. If that person is not living in a vertical state of righteousness with God, it's a stench in the nostrils of God. And God will not bless that. He makes himself glorified and he makes him his holiness known through the individual that is the minister i'm telling you 
For me, that's why in this house, leadership has got to live a life of holiness. We might not have the shiniest folks on the block. We might not have the most decorated veterans in ministry on the block. We might not have the most degreed and masters. And, and uh, even though I do have, you know, some college and university and seminary training myself, but we may not have people with doctorates and all of that kind of jazz. But the people that are going to minister at Destiny, you are going to be sanctified, holy, and set apart. If you're not and you think you can fool somebody, it will not be for long. Because the scripture says that sin will find you out. And we have had people in leadership before that they were not what they said that they would be. And I have stood before this church and I have stood before them. And I have released people from ministry because you cannot minister before the Lord, if you are not wholly sanctified and set apart, you can't do it. You cannot do it. And maybe I should preface that and say, well, you can do it, but God will not bless it. Sooner or later, it's going to fade. Sooner or later, people are going to see through that. Sooner or later, you're going to come to the end of your charisma. And, 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 you know, I come to the end of my charisma almost every week. Way before I even get up to this point uh, in the message. And, and that's when the charismata kicks in. That's when the gifts of God kicks in. And it's like, you know, hey, you ain't even got to strive. You ain't even got to strive. You know, I'm just going to, if you'll just step back and let me do what I want to do here, everything will be okay. And it doesn't matter what anybody in this house thinks. It doesn't even matter what you think. When you get ready and you go out here and you're in your car driving home and the enemy's telling you all kinds of things, that doesn't matter. None of that matters. The only thing that matters was my glory on display. Was I lifted up? Was I edified? That's what matters. And I want you to listen to this. Aaron was silent. Aaron was silent. I'm just trying to comprehend that. If I walked in and two of my eldest sons were dead in the floor, I just don't think that I would be silent. I'd probably be wailing and screaming and crying. I would probably be on my knees groveling and snotting all over the place because my two oldest sons. But Aaron was silent. I just want to stop for just a second and say... That right now, the church, now hang on, because some of y'all are going to hear this through your own filter, and you're going to be like, amen, preacher, I've been waiting for you to tell them. You're going to hear it through the wrong filter, so just pause your filter real quick. The church right now is too silent. There's times when the church needs to speak up. There are times when the church needs to be vocal about certain things. All right? Now listen to this. Right now, the church is being silent about the things that really matter. And they are 
like a bunch of, uh, and, oh, this is going to be offensive to some of y'all. But right now, the church is like a bunch of babbling Pharisees out on the street corner being loud about the things that do not matter. You do understand the end of the world is coming, right? <laughs> Some folks are like, huh? Today? No, like, bro, the end times, all this, all this is going to pass away at some point. All this is going to pass away. It's going to happen. Even if you take God out of the equation, it's going to happen. The sun one day is going to burn out. It's not self-sustaining. It is a ball of gas and it is like a gas tank. It is going to run out. When the sun burns out, this world is going to freeze. Do you understand? And I mean, I'm not getting off into all the science, so don't want anybody send me an email or come up and go, well, pastor, it's actually not going to freeze. It's actually going to be consumed by... Yeah, I don't even care about that. The point I'm making is it's going to cease with or without God because that's the way it is. But we know the scripture says that we are going to be living in the end times. I believe we're there. I just believe we're there. And the end is coming. It's definitely on its way. And the church is out here trying to stop God. It's like they're, they're, it's like, they're like this. Ah, ugly face. Bro, just stop. It's going to happen. We are called to be salt and light during that time. Can God use Trump in the White House? Absolutely. Can, use, can God use Biden in the White House? Absolutely. Because he used Nebuchadnezzar and he used Pharaoh and he used all of the others. Why don't y'all just let God be God for God's sake? We need to be vocal, but we're not being vocal about the right things. And there's time when the church needs to speak up. But it's, it's, it's on issues like abortion. And it's on lots of issues. And I'm not getting in too deep into the things that we need to talk about. But like, let's make sure that we're not like Aaron. He, he ain't taking any responsibility. Now, this is where I think I'm going to leave this today because there's just way more than I, I, I can get through. Wonder why he was silent. He walks in and he sees what's going on. Hmm. Now, if you'll let me piece a message or two together... If you were here on the Sunday that uh, Erica preached, she preached uh, Eli, the high priest. Now, he's after Aaron in the timeline, all right? And y'all remember his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas? And what were they doing? They were at the temple gate. They were indulging with prostitutes. These are priests, 
These are people that are handling the holy articles of the temple. These are people that are going before the Lord on your behalf, on their behalf. And they were entertaining, read between the lines, the, temple, the, the prostitutes at the temple gates. They were stealing from the church. They were doing all these things. And who knew about it? Eli knew about it the whole time. And he never disciplined those boys. And he let that kind of stuff go on in the church. He let that kind of stuff go on in the ministry. And we know that not only did Hophni and Phinehas lose their lives, they lost the Ark of the Covenant, which was God's, uh, God's manifest presence. And Eli fell back and he lost his life. All right, think about that. That happened much later than Aaron and Nadab and Abihu. But I want you to think, just like Eli, Aaron, he was silent on a lot of things. He was silent when he saw those boys doing things that they weren't supposed to be doing. I want, I want to remind you real quick the actions of the high priest when Moses was on the mountain getting the commandments, the Decalogue, the ten holy laws. He's up on the mountain receiving from the Lord. And then in Exodus chapter 32, you don't have to turn there. Just listen for the sake of time. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron, the same high priest that his boys are laying dead in the temple. And they said, come on, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here out of the land of Egypt. Verse two says, so Aaron said, Take off all your gold rings, your earrings your, your, of your wives, your sons and daughters. Bring all the gold to me. And all the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. And then Aaron, who? Aaron, who? Aaron. Aaron, the high priest, took the gold and melted it down and molded it into the shape of a calf. Who did it? The priest, Aaron. Who did it? The minister. Who did it? The spiritual leader of the house did it. He melted it down and fashioned an idol. And I want you to listen. It says, when the people saw it, they exclaimed, Oh, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. They're giving the the the." idle credit for what God did, God will not share his glory. And then verse five says, this, this is disturbing, man. Then Aaron saw how excited the people were and he announced. Now he's not excited enough. Ooh, Jesus. Like that was, that was not good. No, he's like, I, I like it. I'm excited, man. Look at how they've responded to this. Look at how they responded. And he says this, he says, tomorrow will be a feast to the Lord. What Lord? 
The, the one on the mountain meeting with Moses or that thing? He says, tomorrow will be a feast to the Lord, to the Lord. We're all going to come out. And this is what verse 6 says. The people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. So, wow. Because if, if, if we just stopped right there, oh, whew, thank God, Christ is averted. Jesus, I thought this was going to be bad for a second. Like we got, had the whole idol thing and they, everybody got excited. But whew, people woke up the next day and they're offering burnt sacrifices and peace offerings. And then it says, after this, they celebrated the feasting and drinking. And they uh, indulged in pagan revelry. It's Mardi Gras, y'all. They indulged in pagan revelry. They had, they had switched and it was supposed to be a day of, of the Lord. They turned it into a pagan sacrifice. Now, if you've studied any kind of pagan rituals, there was all kinds of debauchery and lewdness and lustfulness and sex acts that were given up as, as worship to pagan gods. That's what's happening right there. And what did your boy Aaron do? He's just looking and he's just letting it happen on his watch. Moses is up there hearing from God and God spoke and said, you got to go down there. The people are going crazy. And Moses came down and you know, he was so angry. He threw the stone tablets and burst them, broke them. Here's, now let's go back. Let's fast forward back to where we were. Moses is, he's looking there and he sees his two sons and they're dead and they're baked by the glory of God. And he stands there in silence. Why? Because he knew. He knew. He knew he had allowed that stronghold to get in there. He knew. Those boys, they had seen this before. They didn't just, that, that, they just didn't come up with some crazy idea overnight. And as Moses, as Aaron stood there and looked at this, he's silent. Why? Because he has nothing to say because Moses is to blame. At the end of the day, the spiritual leadership of whatever house you are worshiping in needs to be the kind of spiritual leadership that says, we will not have that in this house. I love you, but you cannot live that way. I love you, but if you're going to be involved in ministry, you cannot live that way. Now, what, Pastor Rife, I don't, I'm not planning on getting involved in ministry or whatever. Can I just tell you? Any person that you truly call your pastor, which very few people actually know what that even means today, that when you go to a place, you actually entrust yourself, your soul, to the care of the person, man, woman, leading that house. And that person has the right and the authority if you will accept it, because that's actually what that relationship is supposed to look like, to say, hey, Delaney, I see what you're doing and that's not how a godly young woman 
acts. There have been times that my wife has literally talked to other women and they would not have ears to hear uh, correction and they would choose immorality over correction. That, that's where that is. So I'm just gonna kind of close this up and I'll start next week here. And I just wanna encourage you how we host the glory of God matters. We don't just get to come before the Lord any way we want to. What happens in this place is not up to you. And what happens in this place is not about you. But what have we done in the modern day church? We've made it all about the people. And that didn't start yesterday. It didn't even start in the 2000s. You go all the way back to uh, probably about 1970s. And this whole movement started that was like, we're going to do everything we can to get as many people in this, in this room and pack it out. And it really doesn't care. I mean, I've heard people say, uh, and I don't know that I disagree or agree with this statement, but I've heard leaders say, we'll do anything short of sin to get people into the house of God. I'm not saying I disagree or agree with that, but that's a, that's a really kind of a catch thing that pastors are saying now, nowadays. Well, we'll do anything, as long as we're not sinning, we'll do anything. Listen, I'm not gonna do just anything. There are just some things that we're not gonna do at Destiny. That's fine for the church down the street or across the world somewhere, but there are certain things we're not gonna do because the scripture you know, it's plain. We are going to host the glory of God and God cares about how we're going to do it. He cares about how we're going to do it. So when you go out this week and you're interacting with the world, with your world, when you're interacting with your world, think about, are you hosting God well? Are you hosting his spirit well with your words? Are you hosting God well with your mind, with your attitude, with what you allow to come in your eye gates and your ear gates and your mouth gate. Those are all openings that we allow things to come into our world. Are you honoring God well? Are you hosting God well with, your temp with his temple, which is your body?